Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. How does the interview process change depending on the organization? How does the interview process change depending on the candidate? What are the unspoken rules? Especially if the candidate is a woman. Especially if they're of color. Here's this opportunity. A great educational product that I'm already an avid user of, in fact, a specialist. Check. A great role to expand the market presence and user count. Check. A five-round interview process that consisted of a survey, recruiter call, Zoom team interview, and two panel interview sessions. Check. After two months of courtship, I had graduated to the fourth round an hour and a half with a panel of women that are credentialed for my industry. We are so proud of our diversity here. That statement lingered in the air as I looked at the panel and could only assume that they were thinking of hair color or geographic location. Mmm, diversity. She continued, We were excited to have you come in and share your experiences with us. Are there any questions that you have for the team? Yes, thank you. Their answers were clear and made sense. Well, ladies, I like what I'm hearing, and I don't have any concerns with the requirements. I'm excited for next steps. We all nodded and smiled in this agreeable unison. So... Given our conversation today, what's your assessment of me for this role? I asked. Dead silence in the room, like the air had been sucked out with that statement. Well, that is a very good question, and we're going to have to think about it. The response was empty. Three days later, an email informed me that I will not be moving forward to the next round. It took another week to get an answer when I responded asking for feedback. The feedback, besides the comment that they don't get feedback, was that other candidates were a better fit for the position. Then I noticed the role was reposted after our discussion. Now I have to sit on my questions. If I wasn't qualified, why did it take four rounds to diagnose that? Why was the role reposted if other candidates were better? Now I have to sit in my truth. Do I regret asking the question? Should I not have? No. That's a basic question. And I thought it was fair game for everyone to use. Or is it? For whom is that format truly for? For whom was that opportunity truly for? Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. 
And on this week's episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast, we'll be discussing unspoken roles with Christina Cross. Christina is the founder and executive director of Bronzed Muse Collaborative. She works in partnership with communities to reinvest resources towards opportunities that make our communities safe, healthy, and strong. She is on a quest to co-create a future based on social equity and our common humanity so our communities can thrive and be free. Welcome to the show, Christina. Hi, how y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Great, thanks for coming on. So you just heard the unspoken rules narrative. What were your thoughts and reactions to the narrative? And is that story familiar to you? Oh, I had so many thoughts. First of all, I was really reminded of my interviews that I've experienced that same feeling of like, do I really belong in this space? Of course I do. My resume was picked up. They chose me. I've done multiple rounds, right? And we get there. And then there is this, there was a time that I remember like a person being visibly surprised as they saw me because they've spoken to me over the phone before. But then, you know, I think, you know, when we go through multiple rounds of interviews, there's like a lot of time invested and resources, and some of which become finite if we've been in the search for quite some time. And so that really stands out to me. If it's not about her qualifications at this point, like what is it really about? Like that really stood out for me. What about you all? I think that we talked a little bit about it in the debrief, right? But for the most part, for me, it was about this feeling of relief in hearing that other women of color experience this. And even bringing someone like you onto the show, right? Who's saying this has happened to them many times. And I just felt really alone in that experience. What about you, Crystal? Yeah, like you mentioned, we did talk about this in the debrief, but it it stresses me out because I know that these types of interactions happen in interviews all the time. And specifically in relation to this particular narrative, someone felt like they had seen interview materials. The interview materials said you do X, but if you are different, then you can't do X. So it was just kind of one of those reminders that we have to continuously let people know, especially black and brown women, what is the thing that we will do in interviews that may cause us to be judged more harshly than our white counterparts? Right. And almost always, right, we're going through rounds and rounds and rounds of interviews and we never once see a person who looks like us. So Christina, how do you think that affects the ability of the interviewer to relate to us and advocate for us? I mean, yeah, that's that's these are all really big and valid points. And also, I want to reframe that a bit to sometimes it's not even just a person looking like you, but just also relating to where you're from, what school you attended, what you studied, what hobbies do you have, right? And depending on how these questions are asked, if there's even space for, if a person even cared to find out these things before getting into the nitty gritty of getting into your requirements, if that doesn't happen, if that that connection wasn't made, how then is a person going to feel like they've connected to you? And so, yeah, that is that that is really tricky. But I think to also think about like the ways that we kind of have to advocate for each other is honestly, if there is something on that resume or on the feedback or on the cover letter or something about this person that did stand out to get them to multiple rounds of interviews, there is something there. And sometimes that should be enough. It shouldn't have to fall back onto other the personal connections. 
for that to happen. In practice, though, that, that might be harder. In theory, definitely, I think that needs to happen more often. Ooh, you just brought up something important that we won't get into today because I could talk about this all day. But you definitely brought up the point of culture fit. So to that point, we actually all follow each other on LinkedIn. And several weeks ago, you actually tagged, I don't, actually, I don't know if you tagged me or not, but you responded to something and I saw it, I think is what it was. And this person was actually a talent acquisition director, really a gatekeeper at organizations. And some of the things that he mentioned about reasons why you didn't get a call back from the hiring manager just really shocked me although I shouldn't have been shocked because we know that the hiring process can be subjective. But there are a few things that he pointed out that, again, have absolutely nothing to do with this person's qualifications, but more to do with how they're different. So a couple of things that I'll call out are that he said, you didn't present your best self. Attire matters. So he said it can go from two revealing white cotton socks to a wrinkled dress shirt. And then he talked about communication and enunciation. And we all know that depending on where you are from in this country or in the world, your dialect could be different. So to punish someone because they don't sound like you or they don't wear the same clothes as you do, it's just really problematic. So what would you say to someone who feels this way when they're walking into interviews on how candidates should show up? Oh, uh, there's so much there. The first thing that came to mind when you said culture fit was assimilation, right? This idea of having to fit a very specific mold. I think what's really interesting is that in the business world, especially in startup cultures, et cetera, there's so much that's changing um, these days that things are starting to be like in terms of dress codes, for example, things are starting to be more lax, right? And how are we holding to like old norms? And then expecting people to fit those norms. And what happens if, like, what, what ends up happening is the resulting lack of authenticity there. And I don't know, that's just something that, that really made me think about that. There is obviously something about this person that we, we enjoyed about them. So let's focus on their skill set. Let's focus on what they bring. What could they add to our culture? What could they contribute that we were missing or that we're not seeing? And like, how could we focus on that? Like, there's so many different approaches you can call it out as to being like, yo, that's kind of subjective. Like, what really, like, are we really going to focus on that right now to kind of just reframing and like redirecting a person? But, you know, it's a lot to unlearn. And so I would start there. Yeah. And I'll say I'm actually, I'm referencing the post right now. And it's so interesting because I don't even know if you, you knew this, Christina, but the way that you combated what this individual was saying actually has the most amount of presence in this whole conversation that happened in the comments, right? Which is around, we, we can't always be so prescriptive about the way people look or the way people show up, especially because a lot of those standards or unspoken rules, right, are derivative of white culture. What's even more interesting is that the person who put all these rules in place for why you did or didn't get a call back is a person of color. So I think sometimes we assume that every person of color is not only well-educated on this space, but that they're also actively being allies to the cause within social justice and all of that. What, what does that say to you, Crystal? 
and Christina, when you see a person of color actually perpetuating things that are holding our communities back. Honestly, it makes me clutch my pearls, but also think about myself in general. And the three of us have had this conversation before about the fact that we as leaders, so this person, someone like this person we're talking about in this status, as a gatekeeper, as a leader in the space, you're perpetuating these rules, these unspoken rules. And then we do the same thing to ourselves. When we think about professionalism, where we have to bring in two versions of ourselves or an overlapping right or we're code switching. So although, yes, you know, this is happening from outside forces uh, with a person of color who's in a leadership role and who's a gatekeeper. But again, we also do the same thing to ourselves. Yeah, I'd also like to add to that in that sometimes it's a delicate balance, too, because it's like it's a form of survival. We've been taught to have to mm-hmm. kind of integrate these behaviors to be able to get these opportunities. So it's like, all right, I got my foot in the door. I did X, Y, Z to be able to get here. And then I think some people who have experienced these forms of it's a form of oppression. I'm going to just call it out. Right. Or mm-hmm. these forms of like having to suppress parts of yourself to, to feel worthy or to feel like you can get into a space is and then people who've experienced that then end up doing it to others, right? It's a form of gatekeeping, but it's also a form of kind of like, and I, I also really want to be mindful of what that can do if we're not processing the ways that we've experienced certain harms ourselves so that we don't end up perpetuating it onto others, especially to others that are like ourselves. Yes. The oppressed right. becomes the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's, it's so unintentional, but I'll, I'll call it out, right? Because we want the listeners to know that this is an authentic exchange. There's so much that goes into us even having this conversation with each other, right? Kind of breaking down the fourth wall. We literally, for all the listeners to know, had to have a whole conversation about how we want to be authentic and try so hard not to switch on our professional mask, right? Our professional Mm -hmm. identity. And we had to prepare literally for that because it's something that that we've been taught from such a long time ago. Yeah. Christina, she calling us out. She putting us on front. I I had to, I had to (laughs) just a little bit. I'm like, that's fine. They deserve that credit because it's not easy to come in here and to be your casual self. It's not. So I think it deserves credit. Oh, dropping gems. I so appreciate (laughs) So each week to wrap up this episode uh, with you, Christina, we've had a wonderful time talking to you. Each week, we pose a hashtag me moments question on Instagram, and we really want to hear your take on this week's question. So this week's question is, what do meaningful relationships look like? And we know that from your work, you focus a lot on social equity and co-creation between organizations and communities. How can these types of relationships between organizations and communities be cultivated in a meaningful way? Oh, ah, so much there. In all honesty, it's really important to engage people who are going to be impacted by decisions, by programming, Mm. by everything, right? Because we can't come from a place of expertise as if we know everything. Lived experience is so, so crucial. And we are all experts in the things that we've experienced. 
And there are some people who may have the education, the position, the power, but may not have experienced the things, the issues at hand. And so it's so, so, so very, very important to talk with people that are least often centered in these conversations. The other thing I want to really emphasize is it's really important to, to, I think it's really important to start shifting this conversation we're having about diversity and inclusion from like representation. I think it's important to really emphasize the economic exclusion that takes place when folks who are socioeconomically marginalized aren't provided equitable access to opportunities. And I really mean that in a holistic sense, and not just for the people who don't have access, but I'm talking about our, gen- our general society, what happens. And so I think I always want to think about that when we think about relationships, because relationships are oftentimes the point of entry. Yes, absolutely. First, what I got from that is don't build programs for me when you haven't even consulted or talked to me about yes. them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I, I really enjoyed hearing all that you had to say, Christina, and I know that our listeners are going to want to continue to follow you in your journey. So where can they find you online? Absolutely. At the moment, social media is still building out, but feel free to follow us at bronzed underscore muse for Instagram and for LinkedIn, which is where I'm most active right now. Forward slash Hey Miss Cross, that's H E Y M S C R O S S. I am also going to do a selfish plug real quick and let you all know that I'm working on creating an app that streamlines the grant making process for community based organizations. So, for any of you out there who are in giving circles, foundations, or individual philanthropists, please do reach out to me and would love to create a, a relationship with you all to get this, get this off the ground. So thank you. Wow. And I'll say that is the most unselfish, selfish <laughs> plug that I've ever heard. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christina. We really enjoyed hearing your thoughts and we can't wait to talk to everybody again next time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.